0: It's Wednesday, December 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, we are just a week away from Christmas Eve, but, but Wall Street just keeps on chugging with earnings reports, which we will get into. We'll also dig into the full mailbag. You just sort of winced when I said it's a week until Christmas oh, yeah, Eve. I hadn't really which,
1: thought of it in those terms. Which
0: indicates to me you're not nearly prepared for Christmas. Uh, Let's that, face it. Your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Your kids certainly don't listen to this podcast.
1: They have on occasion. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we shouldn't go any further with this, lest I, this be one of the episodes they listen to.
1: What needs to happen this year? Look, the jury's out. Does Santa exist or not? He he better this year, or else, you know. What are you talking I'm, about? The, uh, Santa's real. Well, I. 100% you and I know that. Yeah. There, there are those out there. Listeners who believe who otherwise, suspect otherwise, right? Well, and I'm saying if he ain't real, then it's going to be a, a, a blue Christmas. Well, we've got
0: a week to go, don't we? We do, we and do. when I say we, I mean Santa and his elves. Yes, uh, let's start okay. with FedEx uh, second quarter miss, uh, which I guess is a little surprising just because FedEx has been such a steady performer for so long, but they kept their guidance for the rest of the fiscal year. What did you think when you looked at this report? There was nothing that really leaped out at me as I don't know, as worthy of being of ringing the alarm bells. Are people ringing the alarm bells? I don't know. I, I feel like there's always someone who is willing to you're ring... you're taking
1: issue with the people <laughs> ringing alarm bells. these unnamed people. exactly. okay.
0: What did you see in the quarter?
1: Uh, I saw, you know, m- more of the same. I think that there may have been. In terms of the stock being down a bit today, uh, hope or expectation for a little bit more of an early kick from uh, fuel prices, which are very significant for FedEx's operations, and if not in the quarter, uh, some guidance to the degree to which those will improve operations for the rest of the fiscal year. And I, I think FedEx actually is providing that information uh, and and some of its uh, new rates, fuel surcharge rates, uh, next week uh, to customers. So uh, we're on hold uh, as to you know what degree they are going to keep some of those profits and and what part they're going to be giving back to their customers. It
0: really does seem like FedEx belongs in that category of businesses that have Warren Buffett's favorite thing that he likes to see in a business which is pricing power I think that they've been so reliable for so long that quarters like this are are just a, a blip in some ways because somewhere down the line whenever they need to or whenever they feel like it is warranted they're going to bump up prices a little bit and I think it's not really going to they're not going to lose a lot of customers out of that
1: well i guess they they had taken down prices a little bit right for this quarter in terms of unit shipment uh or per unit uh profit profitability and some of that should come back with uh, the fuel price improvements um you know it's a pretty pretty competitive market therein uh, although it's nice to have uh you know the post office is one of your principal competitors that was <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> You're saying
0: while FedEx is in a capital-intensive business, the fact that they're competing against the U.S. Postal Service goes in it's, the plus column.
1: Yeah, that's not keeping them up at nights, is it? That that's kind of the reason for their existence, actually. The U.S. Postal Service being, you know, the only one in the business once upon a time. Um, so, anyway, I th- I don't think that uh, this quarter's numbers were you know terribly. Uh, meaningful for the long-term uh, investor. I think that they're going to have a, a nice little end of the year. And I think that uh, it's going to be a good uh, shipping season for Christmas, at least uh, in, in my household. <laughs> Mine as well. Let's move on to Darden Restaurant, which
0: is the parent company of Olive Garden, Longhorn Steakhouse, Capitol Grill, uh, several others. Second quarter loss of nearly $33 million shares of Darden Restaurant up around 4% this morning. Um, I'm assuming that, because they did lose money this quarter, I'm assuming that the enthusiasm today around the stock is the fact that they had positive comps, I think for the first time in over a year. Not just at Olive Garden but at six out of their seven restaurant concepts so that's I mean I suppose that's encouraging
1: that's encouraging yeah and and I you know Olive Garden had, has become such a sort of whipping boy uh, for any kind of jokes about uh, certainly the you know what the company is doing over there and what its future could look like and whether anybody, is going to keep going to Olive Garden, and the degree to which they had to go with the all-you-can-eat pasta and, and all that stuff, and then uh, some sort of investor activism uh, that was targeted at improving the menu and, and what management should be focused on, rather than giving people all-you-can-eat. So, I think that showing some early signs of a turnaround in in especially that concept is is being greeted with a you know sort of polite Golf clap today. I would say. <laughs> well, last okay.
0: week, last week we talked about Starboard Value, the investment firm that uh, owns a chunk of Staples and Office Depot, and is reportedly looking for those two to merge in 2015. Starboard Value is the activist firm you mentioned behind Darden Restaurants, and this is the first full quarter. Earnings report we've seen since they essentially booted the board of directors. So uh, I think probably within the walls of, of Starboard Value, they're giving themselves uh, a little bit more than a golf clap.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they are seeing some of the things that they want to see. And I think that uh, it's a, it's a long term, it's a pretty competitive and not especially attractive place to be in the casual dining segment. Uh, you, you've got the fast-casual uh, concepts like uh, Chipotle taking up a lot of uh, the, the customers. And uh, I think that, I, I don't know, You know, we've, they've gotten rid of Red Lobster, uh, but they've still got a number of brands that you're not entirely sure what the long-term prognosis is here. And, I don't know, when, when was the last time you were at a, one of their restaurants? Gosh, the last time I was at an Olive Garden was
0: Or any of the other. Uh, I think the only two of their uh, concepts I've been to are Olive Garden and the Capitol Grill. Mm-hmm. And 2008 was uh, the last time I was at an Olive Garden, and Capital Grill was before that. Although Capital Grill is a, that's not fast casual. That is no, that is higher end, and maybe not all that surprising that of their seven concepts, that one had the highest uh, bump in comps. That the uh, same store sales at Capital Grill was up five
1: percent. Well that's pretty good uh for them because uh, you know 5% times $600 or whatever it costs <laughs> to go there for dinner which I've only done a couple of times and on somebody else's check um yeah that that's a, a different brand than uh than Olive Garden I'm not sure whether I've ever been to an Olive Garden or not I've been to Red Lobster but we have established well, that doesn't count that doesn't count That now. doesn't count
0: I, there has been some talk recently of how lower gas prices is helping retailers. Doesn't it stand to reason if that is true that it also helps restaurants? I mean, Clarence Otis, yeah. who's the the CEO at Darden, basically said as much on the
1: on the most recent call. It does. There's a little little bit more money in everybody's pocket, and maybe they choose to go to Olive Garden uh, with that money. So yeah, it, it, at the margins, it, it will help. It's not. Maybe a sustainable thing upon which you want to build a business that that you can assume lower gas prices for, you know, making your capital expenditures over the next five years plan. But yes, over the next quarter, you would expect a little bit of that money to show up in a lot of different places, and for management's to generally take credit for doing things better rather than you know it'll be like a winter weather thing. You know, we're not going to hear it mentioned too much when the weather improves. You know, you don't hear so much as when the weather's bad. So when gas prices are killing people's discretionary spending, that that's used, uh, and and hopefully people, uh, I would give more credit to the companies which point out in upcoming quarters, yes, we were helped by you know a temporary uh, decline in, in gas prices. Second quarter profits for
0: General Mills fell thirty seven percent. And that was still better than expected how How low are the expectations for this company when a thirty seven percent drop in quarterly profits gets a golf clap
1: well that it it <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: and it, and the headline a,
1: looks bad, but that was a big charge. There was a big charge embedded in that number, which was their um, you know acquisition costs for for annie's right is Is this something you have in your house Annie's yeah. Um. Every once
0: in a while, they, Annie's has is the, sort of the healthier snacks and and prepared foods. Not prepared foods, but like uh, doesn't Annie's do mac and cheese? Mac and cheese, and they do their own bunny. version of yeah, they're, they're of like goldfish bunnies. crackers. But it's a little bunny. Yeah. Okay. Exactly.
1: See, they've they've succeeded in in getting they've, their bunny they, across. They've
0: succeeded in brand awareness. They have not and, succeeded. and in selling
1: themselves to General Mills. They also su- succeeded in that and. They succeeded for the, the you know more meaningful reason the, than having bunnies in that they're in the organic slash healthy sort of perception category. Right, but where they haven't succeeded is consumers
0: like me looking at them and looking at goldfish and saying, "Oh, I want the healthier option—the little
1: bunny crackers." No, it's I mean, no, you're eating crackers. I mean, yeah, you get, get the goldfish. Get the goldfish or the cheezits. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway, so the charges from that merger, which were completed in I think October. Um, that fell into the quarter, and so if you take those charges out, it's, it's a less of a decline and a little bit of a decline. They had already given guidance um, a couple weeks back on uh, what the quarter was going to look like, and then they they beat you know the lowered guidance. So the, the golf clap is you know coming from beating lowered guidance sort of thing.
0: The international part of their business is not nearly as meaningful as their U.S. business, which they divide into seven categories. Uh, Cereals, snacks, baking products, frozen foods, YoPlay yogurts, uh, meals, and by meals, it's things like side dishes and hamburger helper and and that sort of thing. And then, uh, something I'm unfamiliar with, but uh, I'm assuming Annie's fits in this category, something called Small Planet Foods. So, I'm assuming that's a maybe their organic line. But where I'm going is this. General Mills, the stock, has not dramatically underperformed the market over the last couple of years, but it has underperformed the market. And I'm wondering if this is a business that needs to take a little bit of time and look at getting smaller. And, and just see okay do, do we need all these lines are we going to be a more efficient business if we have if we shed some of these lines
1: possibly and i i think that you're looking at a company that can grow at about the rate of inflation that is Cheerios is just not going to be suddenly growing by five or ten or percent a year or, or even over any period of time right they' they're, it's a very stable thing there's there's pretty there's a pretty low ceiling, you know, on on the growth that this company can hope to have, and a pretty high floor. It's not going to fall apart uh, because there are a lot of very stable purchases that are embedded in in what they have to offer. So, uh, if they were smaller or broke up some of these things, maybe they could focus and have a little bit more of a growth strategy. Uh, right now, they're more of a you know. Consumer staple stock. You're looking. I was at a conference some months back, and you're talking about companies in the consumer staples market globally that are looking at. Oh, we we said we were going to do two percent growth over the next five years. Now we're thinking it's more like one point seven percent. You know, it's it's that fine a distinction in in that world as to what success and failure is measured by, and. They're in that sort of one and a half. Maybe if they do everything right, they could they could grow sales by two percent. But you know, you, you you know what you're getting with this. You're getting a dividend. You're you're getting stability. You're not going to get anything exciting. Are you a consumer of Cheerios? Is is not everyone?
0: <laughs> I suppose now that they have all these different flavors, uh, uh, there's
1: certainly more options for people. I mean, we we don't have. Small children in the house anymore, and went in, and everybody's a consumer of Cheerios in those years, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but the, the kids still. I mean, it's successful in getting them to be lifetime uh, buyers. Honey Nut right? Cheerios is strong. It's just. I mean, yeah, It's like the standard. It holds
0: up really. Yeah. Now, do you like it because of the taste, or is it, or is it the
1: the? It's because I'm an American.
0: <laughs> or is it because of the lower sugar? Because it's required they all...
1: as part of your citizenship <laughs> to eat Cheerios.
0: You think that needs to be added to the U.S. citizenship exam?
1: It's it's understood. It's an unwritten rule. Uh,
0: before we get uh, to the full mailbag, I uh, want to mention once again, Motley Fool stock advisor. Uh, you can go to marketfoolery.fool. com, uh, get seventy five percent off, and it does. As I said yesterday, it makes a great gift. I mean, that's a gift. That's a gift that's going to arrive every month. In 2015, and uh, unlike a lot of the gifts you buy, it's not gonna—it's not gonna break. It's not gonna—it's not gonna get lost. You could lose your password, I guess. We have a, a crack team of customer service folks who will help you with that. Really, Andy O'Sullivan and his team are just Now you're selling me. They're, on they are
1: all over that stuff. <laughs> I was worried about that whole password no, password. No, stuff we're gonna help you thing. out.
0: We're—we're we're not just gonna just you know. Can you process a credit card? We can do that as well. Go to Mark, Market Foolery. Dot fool dot com. Uh, radio at fool.com is our email address. Got a question from Dan Spitzen in Penn Valley, Pennsylvania. That's your neck of the woods, right?
1: Very much so. I went to elementary school at Penn Valley Elementary. What was the name of the For decades or <laughs> I don't know. It was for- <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't go to elementary
0: school for decades. <laughs> I, it's
1: hard to remember. At my age, it it was it was a while. It was, was K through six, however what, many years that is. Was the
0: name of it Penn Valley Elementary?
1: Yeah. Okay. What would be a better name? I don't know. I didn't know if there was more
0: than one elementary and then they had to give name it after someone in the town or something like that? No. Let's
1: get to Dan's it's still question. Still there. Uh, how much att- Dan probably drove by it today.
0: <laughs> how much attention should we pay to analyst upgrades and downgrades? Stocks seem to move on these reports, at least on the day the recommendations are released. When a stock you like is downgraded and moves down accordingly, should we use that as a buying opportunity or a signal to pull back? It's a great question because we talk about analyst upgrades and downgrades every once in a while, um, certainly not as much as the mainstream financial media does. But it is um, Dan's question gets to something very real, however absurd it may be in some cases.
1: But what do you think? Well, I, I wrote a couple of articles uh, about analysts and what they're doing with price targets and, and upgrades and downgrades and uh, what motivates some of these things. Uh, but decades back, uh, ninety nine 2000, uh, we could post those or something. Do you have is some sort of system for that?
0: We, we've got the Twitter feed.
1: Whew. Yeah.
0: You wow. send me the links, I'll put them out on the MarketFoolery Twitter feed. Wow. That alone is a reason that's to follow worth, us on that's, Twitter.
1: That's worth the price that you're paying for this show right <laughs> there.
0: That is absolutely worth the price of this show.
1: What was the question? <laughs> it was about, about the actual upgrades and downgrades. Yeah. All right. So, they move a stock, let's call it 3 or 4%. Uh, is, is a not um, unusual amount. So, people take notice. Uh, it causes some buying. It's really a, a sort of supply-side equation there. you now have more people who have been instructed to buy. you've got an analyst kicking this out to the brokers um, you know at, at say Merrill Lynch or something like that and then they are going to put their clients into this stock that the new buyer report is just out out on. And so in the very, very short term, an upgrade tends to create that demand without really changing the underlying you know, quality of the company. Um, I think that analysts do better work today than back when I was in '99 and 2000 writing about some of the flaws in the system. And I think that it's if you can get your hands on these things, I think you'll learn more by reading the num- you know, reading uh, the analysis and, and looking at the numbers uh, than by any sort of price target, which I would just ignore. Um, and I, I think that they are worth taking note of, not in, somebody has changed their opinion, it's, it's rarely, you know, rarely has an analyst learned anything new, but they, they may have had a reason for liking a stock at $20 that they didn't like at 25 and just sort of taking note of the fact that the, the stock is now lower and, and therefore uh, they'll uh, move their, their rating. The other thing that these are worth reading for sometimes uh, is after a quarterly uh, call, uh, and the earnings report goes out. Analysts will summarize that up pretty quickly, and with a certain amount of experience, and then you can get a a quick, you know, sort of Cliff's notes version of what you can also learn by going and and reading the transcript of the quarterly call or listening to it uh, yourself, which you can do. Listen to those quarterly quarterly calls. Thanks you know, to the motley fool getting on that years ago. We did get on that years ago. And that's what one of my articles is about. All right.
0: Well we'll tweet those out. I, I I you know and you you touched on this. I think that never lose sight of the fact that for individual investors, your time frame is almost certainly or certainly should be longer than the analyst who is doing the upgrading or downgrading. They are thinking in terms of three to twelve months in terms of price targets and if you are looking at a business and and your mindset is I think this is a business I want to hold for the next 10 years then keep in mind that's just that's just an entirely different time
1: frame yeah I mean your time frame is roughly your lifespan. You don't have to commit for life but right. I mean that that is something that you should be, Thinking about when you buy, yeah, I'd like to be invested in the success of this business over the course of however long I'm holding it, which I intend to be a very long time. That, that's you're going to have better investment results that way. And the analysts are are working off of a different page, which is needing in order to justify uh, their their work and their their jobs, needing new things to say. Uh, you you can't sum up a quarterly conference call with sort of, eh, more of the same, <laughs> right? I mean, you're just not going to keep your job that way.
0: Wouldn't that be great? I, I think you and I and others here would absolutely start following an analyst who, regardless of their opinion of a given company, if they created gave creative titles to their analyst reports, we would. We would absolutely put that on our must reading watch.
1: There are some creative titles. Yeah. They, they they there's often more creativity, you know, and punnery in, in those things than, than in the body of the report itself. Just once in twenty fifteen, I want to see an
0: analyst report. I don't care what the company is, I just want the headline to be Company X, Quarterly Results Meh. I just want to see a one-word, just M-E-H, meh. I'll see, I'll, I'll see if I can find that. Get have got some research tools. There you go. We'll tweet that out, too. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.